Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do great work. And you can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, and our guests are William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. Timothy Head is the Executive Director of Faith and Freedom Coalition. Brad Palumbo, uh, a domestic correspondent for the Foundation for Economic Education, and Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture, author of many books, his latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. It is August the 26th, and on this day in 1939, the first televised Major League Baseball game was broadcast on a station that was to become WNBC-TV, announcer Red Barber, called the game between Cincinnati Reds and Brooklyn Dodgers at Ebbets Field in Brooklyn. At the time, television was still in its infancy. Regular programming did not yet exist, and very few people owned television sets. There were only about 400 in the New York area. Not until 1946 did regular network broadcasting catch on in the United States, and only in the mid-50s did television sets become more common in the American household. In 1939, the World's Fair, which was being held in New York, became the catalyst for an historic broadcast. The television was one of the fair's prize exhibits, and organizers believed that the Dodgers-Reds doubleheader on August the 26th was the perfect event to showcase America's grasp of the new technology. By today's standards, the video coverage was somewhat crude, of course. There was only two stationary camera angles. The first was placed down the third base line to pick up throws to the first baseman, and the second was placed high above home plate to get an extensive view of the field. It was also difficult to capture the fast-moving plays. Swinging bats looked like paper fans, and the ball was all but invisible during pitches and hits. Nevertheless, the experiment was a success, driving interest in the development of television technology, particularly for sporting events. Through baseball, owners uh, were initially concerned that television baseball would uh, sap actual attendance. They soon warmed up to the idea, of course, because of the tremendous revenue driven by television advertising. Uh, television Today uh, Sports is a multi-billion dollar industry with technology that gives viewers an astounding amount of visual and audio detail. Cameras are now so precise they can capture the way a ball changes shape when struck by a bat, and athletes are wired to pick up field level and sideline conversations. Lots of technology and a lot of advancements. But that's, uh, that's the story of uh, the development of television, uh, really catapulted by sporting events at the World Fair. Today is also, uh, sadly, the first anniversary of the suicide bombing at the airport in Kabul that took the lives of 13 U.S. military, the first casualty since uh, February 2020. These young lives lost because of Poor planning and execution by this administration, so sad. Just the whole way, the way this thing was executed was foolish and sad and had lost uh, young lives, so sad. Also, another loss, uh, Nancy Lashide, co-founder of the Neighborhood Health Clinic, passed away at her home after an illness. She was uh, 85 years of age. She devoted the last 23 years of her life to the clinic, 
which had changed the lives of thousands in the community and will continue to do so for years to come. She and her late husband, William Lashide, Dr. William Lashide, opened Neighborhood Health Clinic in 1999 to provide medical home for the working poor who lacked health insurance and would have gone without care were it not for the clinic. William Lashide died in 2014 at the age of 18. Being deeply spiritual, she believed that they were acting on prayer to give themselves to get themselves through the clinic. She was known for her huge heart, adeptness at courting uh, donors, and uncanny ability to win over everyone she met. Professionally, I'm fulfilling my dream of nursing, and emotionally, I'm fulfilling my passion for health care for the poor, she said. Her legacy is better than lives of the uh, less fortunate will live on. A celebration of Nancy Lashide's life and legacy will be held in the uh, clinic in November. Donations of gifts may be made to, in her memory of Nancy, can be made to the Neighborhood Health Clinic's Endowment Fund. Great woman. I had the pleasure of knowing her and her husband before he died, and Neighborhood Health Clinic is a major institution here on the Paradise Coast doing tremendous good for the working poor. Well, a review of consumer price index data shows that the price of energy is rocketing towards upwards, and many Americans are having a hard time paying their electric bills. As soon as Joe Biden uh, took office, he began implementing the Green New Deal uh, that uh, directly forces higher energy costs and is creating massive problems now. A review of the Consumer Price Index for July shows that nationally the same thing is happening. The year-over-year electricity electricity price has increased by 15.2%. However, worse still, the July increase alone was 1.9%. If you annualize that out, it comes out to 22.8%. Steve Cortez shared an astounding 20 million American households are currently behind paying their utility bills. Let me repeat that, 20 million behind paying their bills. That's one in six households in this land of abundance cannot afford the simplest, most basic necessity of paying for power in their homes. It's certainly a predicate to a tsunami of shutoffs as the pandemic moratorium and disconnections of service expire across the country. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre (laughs) boasts that the America is economically stronger than ever. So why can't these citizens afford power? Well, the answer largely lies in the explosion in electricity prices under Biden amidst a sea of soaring overall inflation. This particular price surge crushes working-class people. Cortez was on Steve Bannon's war room and discussed the crisis. By the way, if you haven't seen that show, it's terrific. (laughs) It is really terrific. Uh, One in six Americans, again, behind. Uh, America can't pay, Americans can't pay their electric bills and food. This is really getting bad. The Biden recession is very close to a depression. Most stupid policy initiatives, and that's where America will be. It's, it's as if this was uh, what the crime families of running the company want, country want. It certainly is, as everything seems like it's on purpose. It's, they're not dumb mistakes. They're doing all this on purpose, very sadly. And, of course, the working poor are paying the price and American families. The American economy shrunk by 0.6% in the second quarter of 2022, according to Thursday's revised estimate released by the Government Bureau of Economic Analysis. The first GDP estimate for quarter two was released on July the 28th and showed a negative growth of minus 0.9% for the period. That report made the Biden recession official by meeting the definition of two consecutive quarters of negative growth uh, after unreal deep, uh, GDP decreased 1.6% in the first quarter. 
Thursday's number only confirmed that the United States, under Biden's Build Back Better economy and agenda, is a recession. That confirmation of U.S. economy and recession comes as Federal Reserve kicks off its meeting at Jackson Hole today, letting a record-setting fourth consecutive increase in interest rates and inflation continues to run at a rate outpacing wage growth by multiple percentage points. Needless to say, Chair uh, Jerome Powell will face a tough crowd when he addresses the central bankers in Wyoming today. Well, Governor uh, Ron DeSantis announced the launch of a SunPass savings. He's doing something to help people save money. Uh, it's a new toll discount program for customers who use Florida's turnpike system and toll facilities. This rewards program will begin in September the 1st and will run for six months, and it's estimated to provide $38 million in relief to SunPass commuters. Additionally, Governor DeSantis called on the legislature to take Necessary action during next year's legislative session so more Florida families can benefit from toll relief. The program will help frequent SunPass customers keep more money in their pockets during a time of growing inflation, said Governor DeSantis. Florida families who depend on the Florida Department of Transportation facilities for a timely commute to work will benefit from the savings. We will, of course, seek to enact greater savings for commuters in the next legislative session. The toll relief program will give customers with at least 40 paid transactions a month a month a 20% credit on their SunPass account. SunPass is a prepaid electronic toll collection program operated by Florida's Turnpike Enterprise, the toll agency for the state. And to learn more, you can go to sunpass.com. Pretty neat. Well, this is disturbing. Florida founder Mark Zuckerberg admitted Thursday that his meta platform suppressed the Hunter Biden laptop story in the final weeks before the 2020 presidential election after a visit from the FBI retroactively saying that it sucks, the story would wound up being verifiable. The background here is that the FBI basically came to us, some of the folks on our team, and said, hey, just so you know, you should be on high alert. We thought that a lot of Russian propaganda in 2016 election, we have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump that's similar to that. So be vigilant, uh, Zuckerberg said. The Joe, uh, this was on Joe Rogan's show. It's a podcast. Uh, Zuckerberg uh, noted Twitty, uh, Twitter fully blocked the Hunter Biden laptop story while Facebook merely suppressed it from being spread widely. For the five to seven days, it was basically being determined what was false and dis distribution on the face Facebook was decreased, he said. So uh, Rogan pressed Zuckerberg on just how much it was dialed down, and Zuckerberg said, just a little bit less. Fewer people saw it than would have otherwise, he admitted, before upping his estimation from a little bit less, but, but it's a meaningful. Uh, we thought, hey, look, the FBI, what I still view as a legitimate institution in this country, it's very professional law enforcement. If they come to us and tell us we need to be on guard about something, then I want to take it seriously, he added. Zuckerberg was uh, sure that if it, he, it was specifically the Hunter Biden story, but he said it basically fits the pattern. So here's, that's, this gives great insight, in my opinion, to how the FBI works and how they influence uh, the media and the uh, social media especially, and also the media outlets. They leak things. They go and make vague statements like this. And, of course, they didn't mention Hunter Biden's laptop. But when the story appeared, Zuckerberg put people on alert. Oh, don't, don't trust this stuff. It was a hyper-political situation. And so the FBI then works behind the scenes in order to influence 
media outlets. This is against the law. It's un-American, and it just politicizes the entire FBI. Very sad circumstances indeed. And quite frankly, Zuckerberg admitted it. He said it on the Joe Rogan show. Very sad. And by the way, the Job Creators Network, this is good good, uh, news, a small business advocacy group, is exploring legal challenges to block the Biden administration's student loan bailout This move is fundamentally unfair to tens of millions of hardworking Americans who never went to college and who are now forced to shoulder loan forgiveness for the consultant class. Group uh, president and uh, CEO Alfred Ortez said Wednesday, shortly before, after uh, Biden's announcement, it's also unfair to those who've scrimped and saved to repay their student loans. They already paid back their students' uh, debt, and now they're being forced to pay back the growing national debt as a result of the bailout. He called the uh, loan bailout all but illegal and said it would be it would add to the national debt and fuel inflation. Some critics have argued the bailout is classified as government spending, which is a U.S. president doesn't have the legal authority to do. And we'll certainly talk about that later with uh, Brad Palumbo. In my opinion, it certainly is illegal. It doesn't have the authorization from Congress to do so. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. 
or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Brad Palumbo from the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now, we have with us William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. William, tell us about the Cato Institute. You bet. Uh, we're a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of a free society at every level of government. Cato.org, C-A-T-O dot org. Thank you, William. So uh, let's start off with an update about what's happening with regard to uh, this raid at Mar-a-Lago, the FBI raid. It seems like the narrative continues to change. They're chasing everything from atom bombs to codes. You name it. What are your thoughts? Well, indeed. So, you know, exactly. So new facts coming out every day. We, we might have, um, uh, uh, I guess, even more facts come out. As we've spoken about on prior Fridays, Judge Reinhardt, um, who's the, the magistrate judge overseeing um, the, the, this FBI investigation, or I'm sorry, the raid in the Mar-a-Lago, and Trump's challenge to it, um, has given the government uh, or required the government to submit a redacted version of this affidavit that contains all the juicy details behind the probable cause into the FBI's raid. Um, now, the key phrase there, the operative phrase, is redacted. Um, that is to say, uh, what the government has presented to the judge likely will be bereft um, of any meaningful detail. Um, so all that being said, I do want to back up and just sort of take a bird's eye view of what's going on here. Um, it's something I've alluded to in prior discussions. You know, on the one hand, President Biden and the Democratic Party has made President Trump the centerpiece of both the midterm reelection strategy and Biden's 24 election strategy. Um, and along these lines, Biden yesterday told a big room of, of big time donors that Trump and the Republican Party represented, quote, semi-fascism. Um, so, you know, that's where they're going in terms of the politics. Sa said the, the fascist, <laughs> said the fascist president. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, yeah, the, talk about the pot calling the kettle black. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as against that political impetus, you've got this ongoing investigation of the very man who, again, is the centerpiece of their reelection campaign. Um, and there's this tension, um, you know, and, and I've discussed this before about how this this seeming political ulterior motive or this seeming political ulterior benefit taints whatever is going on, mm -hmm. um, whatever investigation is being conducted, in addition to the taint provided by past misdeeds by the FBI and the Department of Justice in the course of investigating former President Trump. So all of this is to say is that this tension is unbearable. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it is, it, it is um, causing undue, I guess, political harm in this country to yep. our body politic. And I reiterate the same call I've made on prior Fridays, 
that this investigation and prosecution should get out of the hands of the Biden administration and should be put in the hands if it continues. You know, again, this is a Presidential Records Act request, which doesn't seem to really warrant a 30-man raid on, on the former president's home. But nonetheless, if it continues, it really should be in the hands of a special counsel, you know, of an independent entity that, that is an arm's length from the avowed political motivations that the president is talking about every day, including this swipe about semi-fascism. Um, so, you know, that to me is sort of, uh, uh, regardless of the ongoing nuance as facts come out of this case, this bird's eye view, can't, we can't lose sight of that. Um, you know, we've got an incumbent president, in, in essence, investigating his political opponent. Yeah. Um, and that's not very American. And I do think we should do something about that. And I, I think a, a way forward would be, again, for one of these special counsels, somebody who's independent of the Biden administration to continue with this endeavor. So uh, whose decision is that? Is, I would guess it's the uh, uh, Department of uh, Justice. Uh, You're exactly right. That would be the attorney general's decision. And again, he serves at the pleasure of the president. So ultimately, it would probably come from the top. But I do certainly think that's in the best interest of the country. Yeah, you know, earlier in the show, I talked about Zuckerberg on Joe Rogan's show admitting that uh, they had a visit from the FBI, which caused them to suppress the news about the laptop before uh, uh, until after the election was over. I mean, this is how the FBI seems to be working now. They're do, trying to use their power, influence, and uh, threats, whatever it might be, in order to get uh, the media now is on board to comply with whatever the FBI wants to do. They, they're, they're, in fact, an agent for the, uh, for the election for the uh, president. Well, you know, I'll say this. There, you speak to damning um, examples. I mean, you know, again, this is on top of the... Um, the altering of a file, you know, basically a misrepresentation to a court in mm -hmm. order to further an investigation against the former president. So, you know, these are all well cataloged. But, you know, yes, I agree. And I'm not saying that this may be a case where, um, look, the FBI is a large institution, a large bureaucracy. I'm not impugning everyone there by any stretch of the imagination. Right, right. But we do have these very prominent examples of misdeeds, and they all seem to cut one way. I mean, they all seem to cut against. Um, former President Trump. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and, and in line with the current presidents and then current, or, you know, the Democratic parties, um, their sort of uh, uh, political goals and their political strategy. So all of that, um, perhaps it's coincidence, but even if so, it does have this terrible appearance. And again, I think that is sort of reason. Um, it, it, it's only appearance alone um, why this you know, th this investigation, this prosecution ought to be conducted by somebody who's at an arm's length yeah. from the president and no, his politics. No question about it. Well, it's not like the American people aren't aware of this. This is not breaking news. People, uh, there are, most people are suspect that the FBI and uh, the, the, the whole system right now is, not everybody in the system, but is corrupt in how they're operating right now. We need to get this cleaned up. Uh, before I let you go, do you want to make any comments at all about uh, Biden's student loan gambit? Well, I mean, I guess um, it could be worse. I mean, he was as a progressive, a progressive wing of his party was pushing for, um, I guess, five times as much relief. I, I think it was ten thousand um, dollars of student uh, uh, loan debt cancellation. Um, all told, it adds up to I think three hundred billion, but. Um, look, it's 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 uh, uh, he's in essence socialized the costs, um, and it it, it is uh, the, as to whether or not he has the power. It it seems doubtful that the president can unilaterally do this. 
However, there is this justiciability problem, um, which is a, a long legalese for it's unclear whether or not anyone would have standing to sue over this. It's unclear whether or not anyone's harmed because, as a general matter, taxpayers don't have a right to come into court and to challenge the use of taxpayer money or the abuse of taxpayer money. Um, so despite the, despite the fact that it may be of dubious legality, and it's certainly a, a shame for the national debt, um, and indeed the taxpayer, um, it's not quite clear whether or not there's any, anything that anyone but Congress can do about it. Really? So the Job Creators Network is already uh, taking legal action to try and stop this. Now, that's a group of uh, small business owners. But uh, this is just seems so patently, uh, this is, you know, it takes Congress to authorize spending of uh, money. Government, the president doesn't have the authority to do that. So uh, so frustrating. Don't disagree at all. And I would just say with respect to the small business owners, it's just going to be a high hurdle for them to stay in court. I mean, filing a suit is one thing. Maintaining that suit is nothing. Thank you so much. William Yateman, again, research fellow at the Cato Institute. I really appreciate your commentary on the show, William. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure, William. Thank you. All right, coming up, Timothy Head. He's uh, the executive director of the Faith and Freedom Coalition. We're going to do that more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. You can get tickets now and find out more by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Brad Palumbo from the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now, we have with us Timothy Head, Executive Director of the Faith and Freedom Coalition. Timothy, thank you so much for joining us. 
Well, thank you so much for having me again. It's, uh, it's always a treat to be with you. Thank you so much, Timothy. Tell us about the Faith and Freedom Coalition. You bet. Well, uh, we are uh, based out of Atlanta, Georgia, uh, and uh, we're a public policy organization that uh, that actually um, works in Washington, D.C., and its legislatures across the country uh, to pro- promote policies that, uh, the way we like to say it, is uh, is uh, policies from a biblical worldview within a constitutional framework. And so, uh, so we've uh, we've been around for about uh, 13 years now, and uh, have a have a presence in uh, about a half of our state capitals. Again, in Washington D.C., and um, you know, we we uh, we really our our charge basically is to try to give Christians a voice in government. Uh, so we uh, we've actually seen quite a bit of success. Uh, you know, certainly in the Trump White House, and then in uh, in more and more state capitals across the country, and. Um, you know, we're, we're actually picking up quite a bit of momentum across the country. That's great to hear, Timothy. Well, you wrote a really good piece. It's called Look to Texas for a Map to Post-Roe America, meaning Roe v. Wade. And uh, a lot of people are uh, flailing about what's happened with uh, the abortion law. What are your thoughts? Well, um, you know, so I think it's, uh, it's one thing, uh, in my estimation, for us to be pro-birth as uh, as people uh, of faith and of and as uh, as people who are pro-life, uh, but I think it's important for us to maybe even make a distinction that it, it's possible um, for us to you know one of the criticisms a lot of times is is that we uh, we as as Christians and as conservatives maybe are, are mostly interested in and in just you know people getting born but maybe not always. Uh, uh, being as as uh, as kind of dialed in uh, once they are born, and so I think that that this is uh, a critical moment. You know, mm-hmm. the Dobbs decision that came down just uh, several weeks ago now has made this you know what has been a, a national or federal decision. Uh, it's um, it's kind of a, um, uh, made that a state level decision again. And I think it's really important for us to. Uh, to truly cultivate a pro-life, fully a pro-life uh, kind of um, a paradigm in in uh, not only our culture but also in our uh, in our um, in our kind of whole whole sort of ethos or uh, uh, surrounding um, these these states. There are about thirty states is is uh, is the best analysis that we've kind of come up with so far that um, either uh, will be. Uh, quite pro-life or thoroughly pro-life, and uh, I think it's really important for us to be able to think through uh, how do we do, how do we provide uh, a, a very kind of uh, full-throated uh, defense and protection of life, uh, and that uh, certainly includes uh, the the life and health of the baby, but also includes the life and health of the mother as well, of course. Yeah. And so uh, you know there there are <clears throat> uh, there. Are, are pretty good laws in the books. Uh, again, in those roughly 30 states now, uh, that will what well, that will um, uh, provide a lot of incentives to go all the way through with uh, with the the birth itself, carrying the the pregnancy to term. Uh, but Texas has really developed over the last probably uh, 18 or even 20 years uh, a lot of wraparound services around uh, around mothers, also around fathers, by the way. And uh, and then uh, for for children that um, that uh, that provide like a, a truly kind of um, uh, uh, 
you know, educational opportunities for mothers that are pregnant, for instance. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, we we have a uh, we support the community pregnancy clinics here in uh, Naples, Florida, well, it's up and down Florida, really, and uh, they do just such a great job. But to your point, I mean, uh, uh, surprise or uh, unwanted pregnancy occurs. Uh, might be a young mother, maybe not married. Who knows? But the point being is that feeling all alone. What do I do? Maybe not supported by their family. And this whole notion about not only just supporting birth, but also life is making sure that you've got support services in place for the mother and the child to make sure that they can get a good start in life in their education, what it might be education, it might be diapers, it might be instruction on how to raise a baby, whatever it might be, and make sure that continues to occur until the mother can stand on her own. That's, uh, that's exactly right, and uh, you know, it, I think a lot of this kind of comes da- comes down to um, to really having to kind of go through the exercise, the mental exercise, if not just experience, you know, yourself of of, um, of all of the needs or sort of complications that go into uh, go into uh, a decision around um, you know uh, carrying a pregnancy to term, and so uh, really kind of social pressures, especially familial familial. Pressures are the number one reason why uh, why why men women um, uh, choose to have abortions. And by the way, those are usually um, more specifically pressures by the by the father. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we want to we want to not only have um, uh, lots of opportunities and kind of support systems around mothers, but also uh, educating fathers uh, on. Um, you know, again, very pragmatic things around being a, a parent as well. So. Uh, we really kind of have to think through and, and uh, if you will, try to kind of uh, walk a mile in someone else's shoes before we just uh, kind of categorically just say, you know, don't have the pregnancy and let's just move on to another topic. Well, topic, in you know? addition to that, though, uh, for if the if the uh, mother and the father choose not to ha- have the baby or raise the baby, there's still uh, uh, adoption services and uh, all kinds of services that are available to help that, with that problem, too. The point is, is... Uh, you, you don't want to necessarily you don't want to take the life of the baby because you don't want to uh, have the responsibility of raising the child. Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly right, and I, I think that um, you know what I expect probably in the next uh, I would say two to three years again as as we move into a state by state approach, which is originally what what uh, what our, our legal framework was across the country, you know, pre nineteen seventy three in the Roe decision. Uh, it, it's it's going to be a little bit choppy, and, and it'll be um, it'll take some getting used to. I think for a lot of people that uh, that really not just on abortion, but on a host of issues, are, are used to decisions being made in Washington D.C. and and you know we'll kind of leave it at that. But um, we're going to you're going to see different things happening in different states. You know we're based in Georgia, of course. Uh, you're uh, you're down in Florida. Uh, Florida and Georgia are going to be a little bit different for a while, but you're also going to see different states kind of learning from one another and mm-hmm. best practices will kind of incrementally be uh, adopted. Um, so it won't be identical, but I think you're going to see, again, that kind of pro-life uh, culture or ethic uh, is going to start to kind of uh, settle in and equilibrate, you know, again, in those in those uh, roughly 30 to maybe 33 states that uh, their, their governors and their legislatures uh, are, are pro-life. Yeah. Um, well, it's, majority. And, and that's in a it's a highly politically charged uh, situation right now. A lot of false accusations about what's happening in Texas 
And uh, so uh, Texas is a good example, and I, I, I certainly appreciate that, but uh, also people should take a step back and learn the truth about this as opposed to listening to the politics of the process. Uh, that's uh, that's right. You know, but uh, we're gonna we're also kind of moving into a a, a little bit of a different um, a different perspective as well because uh, you know immediately, really, like uh, the decision, if you remember, was uh, was announced on a Friday afternoon. By the following week, we had dozens of co- of companies across the country uh, who had um, uh, made announcements basically and changed internal or or um, you know. Um, uh, kind of PR probably uh, their uh, their internal human resource uh, positions that would um, you know pay for travel services and other things for uh, for um, women who are employees that want to have abortions. Yeah. So we're also going to about to see a lot of um, states kind of um, trying to dis- discern how best to deal with with companies who. You know, might be based in one state that, that really is a life-supporting state. Yeah, it's a complicated and, uh, situation. Uh, Timothy, uh, does Faith and Freedom Coalition have a website? Uh, we do, of course. Uh, we are at uh, www.ffcoalition.com, and uh, that uh, that's uh, an easy way, I think, to keep up with what we're uh, we're we're working on in states across the country on life and a number of other issues. Okay, FF Coalition. Dot, uh, yes, dot org or com? Dot com. Dot FFcoalition.com. All right. Timothy, uh, really terrific. Uh, appreciate the work that you're doing in the community as well as uh, this uh, information. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. God bless. You as well. Thank you, Timothy. All right. Coming up, Brad Palumbo. He is uh, the domestic correspondent for the Foundation for Economic Education. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I 
now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell. Right now we have with us Brad Palumbo. He is the domestic correspondent for the Foundation for Economic Education. Brad, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, good morning. Good morning, Brad. Tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. It's the nation's oldest free market think tank, educating Gen Z and millennials about how capitalism works. Uh, just check out the website, fee.org, for more. Yeah, terrific organization. If you have somebody high school or college age in your life, I certainly recommend uh, that visit because it can, it can be life-changing in terms of helping kids understand how things work and uh, uh, liberty, uh, which, of course, all young people want. So, uh, Brad, uh, I wanted to start off by asking you about the student loan forgiveness program that Biden has decided to implement. What are your thoughts? Well, uh, I think that it's a slap in the face, frankly, to millions of Americans who scrimped and saved and worked nights and did everything they could to avoid burying themselves in student loan debt but now they're going to get to pay uh, more taxes to pay off other people's loans. And look, I'm one of those people. I went to a state college where I got a big scholarship. I worked for my first uh, year, a week before it started, worked nights as a security guard. And I took credit overloads every single semester so that I could graduate in three years instead of four. And look, None of that is really that rare. Actually, tons of people have done stuff like that to avoid debt. But it makes us a suckers now. I guess I should have gone to the bar instead of those 24-hour shifts I did on long weekends. Yeah. Because if I'd just taken out loans, they would all be getting picked up by Uncle Sam right now. It's really, really, really infuriating for a lot of people. It's really interesting on my social media accounts how many people I'm hearing from who aren't even that political or who don't comment that much who are just irate yeah. over this. And what's what's really sick about this whole thing is it's, it's untransparent, definitely, or very transparent effort on the part of the president to garner political support going into the midterm elections. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, you have to think about only people that went to college benefit from student debt cancellation, which really means transfer to taxpayers. And so the benefits mostly go to people with college degrees, also people with graduate degrees, people who have higher incomes, and people who uh, live disproportionately around the coasts of this country and in major urban areas, and also people who are under 45 or so. Mm -hmm. So I just also named most of the Democratic uh, voter base these days. It's not a coincidence. Obviously, there are Republicans with student loans, but it it definitely benefits the Democrat voters 
and it's a effort to just rile them up before November. Because the thing that gets me about this, Bob, is that literally just last year, Nancy Pelosi on record admitted the president doesn't have the authority to cancel student debt without a bill from Congress being passed. President Biden said, I don't think I have the authority to do this without Congress. And a year later, it completely changed their tune. Yeah, so, just you know, because they're looking at the polls, they're really worried, and they think this might buy them some votes. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And neither you nor I are attorneys, but it seems to me that um, this is, you know, since they, they've already voiced the fact that it's probably not legal, is there anybody that has standing that could stop this or at least uh, file a case against it? So that's the big problem here. And like you said, I'm not a, a constitutional attorney, but I've talked to several in the last few days about this. The order is almost certainly unconstitutional. Yes. But the trouble is, who's going to have standing to sue? There may not be anybody who's able to challenge this. They're going to try and they're going to test out a few different options, but it would really bother me if they were able to do something unconstitutional and then not even have any checks and balances on it because of some legal technicalities. I mean, that, that would be really messed up. Yeah, no, That might be the case. Maybe the Republican Party could sue. <laughs> you know, but I don't know. It's it's a complicated issue, but so frustrating to think about in a constitutional republic to have uh, somebody like Biden making this decision unilaterally without the support of Congress. They have the power of the purse. It's just un un unforgivable. Uh, Brad, before I let you go, uh, uh, it's been a while since we've talked. Betsy Voss, former education uh, secretary, proposed that we abolish the Department of Education. I thought I'd get your thoughts on that. I think she's right, and I think the meltdown over her comments is uh, very revealing, but also very misleading. Folks have to understand that when you say abolish the Department of Education, the Department of Education does not really do very much education. No. <laughs> Almost all your education is done at your state and local level in terms of paying your teachers salaries, funding your schools. So abolishing the, the DOE doesn't mean like, oh, you're cutting your teacher's pay or shutting down your local school. It's any of that. It's just a giant regulatory behemoth bureaucracy that wastes billions of dollars and imposes uh, one size fits all regulations on the entire country. It would be one of the easiest federal departments to abolish entirely with the least amount of uh, tumult or harm in the interim, just because it was never even supposed to exist. Actually, there's nothing in the constitution suggesting that there's supposed to be a federal department of education. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, 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 on a practical level, I think one of the ways to, uh, if not get rid of the department of education, but at least reduce the size of it is to just move the headquarters to Gary, Indiana or someplace like that. <laughs> I think you'd have a, a whole rash of... Save a lot of money. <laughs> a lot of res resignations from the Department of Education. But you're right. I mean, what happens now is we send money to uh, Washington, D.C. They have this Department of Education. They're, something, they're simply making edicts and uh, to uh, influence the outcomes of education in uh, various states. And uh, there's just no need for it. And, and of course, who, who supports it? Obviously, the unions. They love this. So... Uh, we should get rid of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
Again, Brad Palumbo, domestic correspondent for a terrific organization, the Foundation for Economic Education. The website is fee.org. Brad, really appreciate your commentary. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space uh, space architecture. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of many terrific books. His latest, great read, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. Professor, thank you so much for joining us. Well, Bob, thank you again for having me on. Always a pleasure, Professor. And uh, point out to our listeners that you write... um, a column several times a week on Newsmax.com. It's called On Point. Your latest is, was FBI raid about Trump's lawsuit against deep state officials? Uh, question mark. Uh, terrific read and uh, really great insight into what happened at Mar-a-Lago. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, Bob. Uh, that particular article, I come across an Epic Times article written by Jeff Carlson. And it gave me kind of a new uh, slant on really what the uh, Trump raid was all about. 
And Jeff in his article, and I basically my article, I just repeated the timeline that that Jeff had put out regarding uh, the, the events that led up to the raid. And what what I hadn't really recognized, I think a lot of people are missing, is that Trump has a couple of RICO lawsuits, one against uh, the you know, the Department of Justice, but but specifically about the uh, the crossfire uh, hurricane that where the FBI was doing spying on him even before he was president and throughout his administration and with a tacit approval after after you know during his administration with of the Obama White House and so on that they they had this uh, spy operation that of course the media was was dismissing as as this uh, conspiracy theory and so on. Uh, and but, but a RICO suit is really against against a mob. You know, it's, it's against coordinated corruption and so on. Mm-hmm. Well, Trump had a RICO suit against the Department of Justice over a crossfire hurricane and had asked before he was, before he left the White House to have all those uh, records uh, declassified. He, he wanted those declassified because they felt that you know it was really evidence that that the evidence that the election was pretty well rigged, and of course there's new information coming out that uh, the FBI was also urging the uh, cover up of the Biden white uh, laptop from hell you know, until after the election. But the other lawsuit, the other RICO suit, was against the Russian collusion charges that and that and that really implicated. Uh, Hillary Clinton's email uh, fiasco that she was trying to draw attention away from and the Democrat National Party and uh, all all the cooked up collusion, Russian collusion stuff regarding Alpha Bank and so on. And he had had another RICO suit there against the Hillary mob. And uh, that was in in his article, and and it goes through the, the timeline of events of these filings of these of these lawsuits, there's a lot of conflicts of interest uh, within the government. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the things the FBI did was, and then DOJ was to say, well, you can't charge our, our individuals that we want to essentially protect, James Comey and and uh, uh, Lisa Strzok and, and uh, or Lisa Page and, and, and Strzok and, and McCabe and, all, and those other ones. But uh, you, we're going to bring this under our umbrella, so you have to sue the U.S. government, and and they got a judge to switch it over to bring all of the firepower of the government in defense of mm. these individuals, saying, well, they were just working, you know, this is this part of their work, and they're covered, and so on. So you need you need to sue the government, and. Uh, uh, Trump, of course, his attorneys are, are opposing that, uh, but it's it's been and you know it's been a uh, these documents the 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 uh, archive uh, group and and uh, DOJ and so on they they knew what was in those they knew what they were looking for sure but you can't imagine that they want to put that on a warrant <laughs> that yeah. we want, we want the legal documents. 
Yeah. So in your, in your lawsuit against us, you know, and and it, it brings a whole different light on it because I think a lot of us imagine that this was really about the January sixth hearing. Yeah. And it's just a fishing trip that you know, and it may have been partly that, but just a fishing expedition to get more dirt on Trump as, as they do. Yeah. It's a, I, as it uh, turns out, I mean, I don't think they found what they were looking for. They were looking for information that they could protect that would uh, prove that they were complicit in, in uh, the political activities against Trump and all the, all the dirty tricks. But I heard that uh, John Durham may have those papers. Well, that's interesting because Durham, of course, has been pretty much involved in this at the very beginning, and he he acknowledged that you know that the uh, you know just just days before before the uh, end of Trump's term, they had had a meeting and you know Obama's in the Oval Office and uh, and essentially said well, let's let's not let's continue this uh, this crossfire hurricane uh, operation, and the that's an they were deciding, you know, how to, uh, you know, how to, how to you know, proceed with that, and it's looking, it's looking really pretty, pretty ugly now. Uh, we'll, we'll see where it's going, but I, I, I think the, I think uh, by and large they've stirred up a hornet's nest now and and exposed their uh, conflicts of interest and duplicity and so on and. I don't think it's going to help them. Them being the uh, the Democrats. You know the the the, uh, the the incoming to the president of the United States. All these the lawsuits, January sixth, the FBI raid. You could go down the list. They are desperate to keep his name off of the ticket in twenty twenty four. I think that just demonstrates. I think the threat that Donald Trump. Uh, it, creates or it represents to their agenda, which is quite clear right now, to turn us into a police state. Well, the thing I wonder about, you know, what they're essentially doing is they're keeping his name in the public eye. And, uh, and they've got such disastrous policies. We'll see how this handout for, you know, this, you know debt, the school debt forgiveness works out. But I think they're losing a lot of people, you know, that that basically were maybe sitting on the fence before because, and, and they're using, and they wanted to use Trump to keep him in the eye because, first of all, it's good media fodder to get you know, get people watching the media. He's always been good for that. Yep. And, and the notion that, it, you know, they hate him so much that largely through their own efforts that, that it's going to be a positive for them in, in the coming up midterms and later. But I, I don't, I, I think they're really making him a martyr and, and I and I think their you know their policies keep getting worse and worse and and uh, they're I think they're losing with their school closures. I think they've lost a lot of the suburban parents and mothers and and uh, you know the indoctrination schools with you know sexually inappropriate materials and yeah critical race theory and so on. So I think they're I think they're 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 doing a lot of desperate stuff. But I don't think they're. But I, to me, the key thing is the independence. I don't think this is working with those that that see themselves as independents. Maybe they're libertarian, or, or how they define themselves, or maybe they they just haven't been engaged. But but I think they're losing more populations than they're gaining, and. Of course, the proof will be the midterms. Absolutely. Well, from your lips to God's ear, Professor, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. I just refer our listeners to Newsmax.com and check out uh, Larry Bell's column, On Point, 
Larry, uh, Pro- Professor, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's always such a pleasure. Thank you so much. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, on Monday, we're going to have Mark Schulman again, uh, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about current global events. Jim McTagg, author and former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, will be joining us as well. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.